You know what? We have been talking through the book of Ephesians, out of the shadows, out of the shadows. But as God makes an impact and as we follow him and step out of the shadows, it better impact day-to-day life. It better impact the home. In Kuwait, a little over a decade ago, the women would always follow the men. Five, maybe ten yards behind them, at all times following, okay? But we sent U.S. troops over, U.S. culture, a bunch of things happened. And there was a female journalist that went over after that. And she noticed that now the women were actually leading. They were up in front of the men. And she thought, this is unbelievable. Like a whole culture flip has occurred. And so she walks up to the one of the women and she says, tell me, what was it that changed that you're now leading in this relationship? And the woman said, the landmines. Let that settle in. No change. That's what happened. Okay? There was a wife talking to her husband. And she said, honey, I know you've made it clear that you're willing to die for me. And I appreciate that you said that you were willing to lay your life on the line for me. But between now and when you die, could you at least help vacuum the living room? Right? All too often we talk about sacrifice and we think of the big grandiose plan. But what about the day-to-day? Out of the shadows. Out of the shadows. Living in his light. It is all about changing our time with him and our time with each other. It better affect our heart and our walk with one another. Today we're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through 33. And Paul is answering this question. How should a healthy family look? How do I enjoy a godly marriage? How does that work? So let's take a look at Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through 33. The ushers are going to be coming forward. They've got Bibles in their hands. Just raise your hand if you don't have one. Uh, We'd love to get one into your hands, okay? We're going to be going verse by verse through this. Ephesians 5, 22 through 33. Let me start by reading. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their own husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish, In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one who ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, Let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Okay. Marriage. That's the topic for today. So, some of you are sitting there going, I'm not married. This must not be for me. I'll just check out and plan my grocery list. Okay, bad plan. All right? Let me just say this. Whether you are married or have been married 
or are going to be married sometime, it's essential that we understand God's plan. How much so that when Paul is telling us how to step out of the shadows, how to begin to live in his, in his light, what does he say? Marriage has to be a key part of it. So wherever we're at in our walk, wherever we're at in marriage, this is something that we need to at least understand where we're headed or where we are, okay? So Paul's first point, how do I enjoy a godly marriage? He starts out with this statement, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Did he just say that S word? Yes, okay? The scripture does have the word submit in there. Let's talk about what it means, though. Let's be very careful, okay? Because the reality is the world teaches something about this that isn't accurate. And a lot of churches teach something about this that isn't accurate. What is Paul trying to challenge us with? So let's take a close look. First of all, who is being challenged here? It says wives. Right away, first word, verse 22, wives. So women, this is your point. Don't worry, the men are coming. They've got point number two, okay? So women, this is your point. Wives, submit to your husbands. So what are they supposed to be doing? Submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Now notice it doesn't say submit to all husbands, submit to all men. It says submit to your own husband as to the Lord, as to the Lord. I'll say it again, as to the Lord, okay? So we've got that piece in mind. We're going to come back to it. Okay, what does this word submit mean? We better get to that pretty fast or we're going to actually have some problems, right? So here's a definition I wrote down. Submit, to honor God by yielding final decision for the sake of order. It's pretty important to probably write that one down. Submit, what does it mean? To honor God by yielding final decision for the sake of order. To honor God by yielding final decision for the sake of order. Notice what I did not say. Some nots. This is what it is not. It is not a statement of value or worth. It is not one is worth more than the other. Galatians 3.28. What does it say? There is no difference. Jew or Gentile, male or female, there is no difference. We serve a God who makes us all one in the body. Unity. This is not a speaking to value or worth. This is a speaking to something else. So the first thing it's not. It's not a worth statement. The second thing it's not. Blind obedience. That's not what this means. Wives, just blindly obey. If that's what you're hearing, please start listening. Are you hearing me? That's not what it says, okay? And we're going to be very careful about what it does say. So first, it's not a reference to value. Second, it is not blind obedience. And the last thing, it does not mean, well, don't have any opinion. Just let him have the opinions. Just sit back. It's him. That's not what it means. Remember, in Genesis chapter 2, God created man, and it was good. But when God created woman to be with man, and the pair together, now that, that was very good. And what did he say? He said he was creating a suitable helper. Now, again, this word helper, some people take it and it starts to sound weak or meek or mild. Let's just remember that word was used for the Holy Spirit, helper. God himself has that word applied to him. It is not a demeaning term. It is a strong term that says the man is complete with woman assisting and next to and a part of 
and partaking in. It's about together getting the thing done. Okay? So, first we have this word. Yes, it's the S word, submit. What it does not mean. We've covered that. We've covered a little bit of what it does mean. Before we move on, though, I just want to make sure we're clear that it does say, as to the Lord. It's very important we see that. What is he trying to say? He's saying, I want you to understand this. You have a primary submission. As every believer does, we submit to God Almighty, our Lord, our Savior, Him, Christ crucified. We submit to Him primarily, first and foremost, as to the Lord. And then secondarily, wives, submit to your own husbands. Allow that final decision to fall and rest on Him. How do we do that? What does that look like? Do I end up just saying, fine, whatever you want. How do I not say that if I'm letting the final decision fall on him? I'm I'm glad you asked. Okay, so here's a couple of points, okay? How? How do we end up doing this? First, open communication. The first point, the first step has to be open communication. Guys, you need to hear this as well as women. We need to be talking with each other. We need to be chatting and interacting. We need to be hearing from the other person. What is it that you want? What is it that you're thinking? How has God impressed you in this situation? What scripture is motivating you? What is it that God is saying to you and to me? And we need to communicate through it. Oftentimes, we'll come up in agreement. So step number two, you know what? There's times where we can actually agree. And if there is agreement, great. You're done. You've communicated well. You've decided together. There's agreement. Move forward. But sometimes we don't agree. And in the middle of not agreeing, what do we do? I would recommend you go back to the drawing board and start communicating again. A lot of times we're just going right for the throat. You know what I'm talking about? You know what you want. You know which way you're headed. So you're just driving right for the point. And as I drive for the point, what I'm really trying to say is not, hey, let me hear from you. What are you thinking today, Jonna? What is it that we could do? I'm really saying, no, seriously, Jonna, this is what I want to do today. And I have to be very careful that it doesn't just become dictatorial mode. So maybe it's best to back the truck up, start over again. Let's recommunicate and see if we can get a little further, okay? So that's the second point. If there's agreement, great. If not, keep talking it through. Maybe take some time to pray about it. Communicate together. Have you ever heard this phrase? Seek first to understand and then to be understood. Seek first to understand then to be understood. You know, it's the whole, you have two ears and one mouth. Why don't you listen twice as much? You know, that kind of challenge. That's what communication is all about. It's about hearing as well as sharing. It's not, well, I told you what I want, but I'm also got to hear what you want. And both of us back and forth, learning and listening together, okay? So those are the first two steps. Okay, submit really hasn't come into play yet. It's really equal communication. Here's where it steps into play. Point number three, okay? Here we go. Point number three goes like this. If you cannot agree, then point A, if it isn't sin, then this is where we yield and we step back and we follow the guy's lead, okay? So this is the submission moment. It isn't sin. We haven't agreed. Now it's time to step back. Okay, little moment in time here. Guys, you need to listen up real well to this too, okay? Picture a big blue circle, okay? Big blue circle. Those are all of your desires, thoughts, and wants. Big pink circle. Those are all of your wife's desires, thoughts, and wants. 
So women, you represent the pink. Men, you're the blue. When we get married, those two circles somewhat overlap. They don't perfectly overlap. They only somewhat overlap. And so there's a part, a part that is the same. Things that you're thinking, wanting, and desiring in the blue that are overlapping with the pink. And where the pink and the blue overlap, you get a purple ellipse right in the middle. Do you know what I'm, can you see it? So a big pink, a big blue, and where they overlap, there's a purple. Your job as you're communicating is to be finding the purple. God has brought the two of you together for a reason. What is it? You need to be looking, first and foremost, for the agreeing moments, the purple moments. In those spots where you absolutely, for whatever reason, cannot, and guys, you're standing there saying, we have to go this way. It's, I know it's out in the blue circle only, but I really feel like God's calling us to do this. That's a moment where the submit word steps into play. It's not sin, so I'm going to yield the right to make that final decision to him. Okay? That's a biblical statement of submission. Now, guys, if you're pulling that trump card all the time, we got some issues, okay? And we're going to get to that in point number two. If the trump card's always being pulled and you're always saying, it's pretty much going to be my way, it's pretty much going to be my way, we're going to talk about that when we're talking about the word love, okay? You're looking for the purple, the overlap, where the blue and the pink have come together. That's what you're looking to lead into. You've married for a purpose to become one. Bring it together, okay? And the last step, letter B, if it is sin, the guy is saying, here's where we're going, but it's a sinful step, then it's time for you to gently and politely not submit and refuse because you're submitting to the Lord first and foremost, right? Remember, it's as to the Lord. So if the challenge is, okay, hon, I got a plan. I know how we're going to make a little bit of money. We're going to pay the car off today. Really? What are we doing? We're robbing the bank. Let's go, right? You're like, well, I don't think I'm going to do that. It's okay to step back and say, you know what? I submit to the Lord primarily first, and I'm not going to be doing that. Does everybody understand? So the way submit comes into play is you're yielding final decision, but only after full communication and a complete inability to come to an agreement, and it better be pretty rare, but that's where it comes into play, okay? So guys, we got a big job, and we'll be getting to that in a little bit, all right? But that's what it comes down to. Submit us to the Lord. Now, there's a little bit of reasoning that's given here. And how do we know that this isn't cultural? I mean, that's the first challenge somebody's going to, wow, that was cultural. It doesn't apply now. That's not what's going on. It's something different. Okay, here's the way you know when you're reading scripture. Is this cultural or is it meaning for today? This is how you know. When the reason is given, if what was given was temporary and in that time, then it was cultural. If the reason that is given is some theological overarching truth that stays true no matter what, then so does this principle, okay? So here we go. Maybe, it's, uh, maybe it is cultural. Maybe it's temporary. Verse 23, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as, uh-oh, theological truth, even as Christ is the head of the church and is himself its savior. Hmm. Are we thinking Christ is not going to be the savior of the church sometime soon? Well, then we're probably not in a cultural moment. We're in a theological truth moment. This is a biblical principle that's going to last over time. Why? Because it's dependent upon Christ and his church. What does it say? The husband is the head of the wife. Uh-oh, here's another word, head. What does this word mean? We're getting into a lot of these little traps today. Okay, this word head, it does not mean the control monger, the dictator, Hitler. It doesn't mean these kinds of names. Head, this is what it means. The husband is responsible for that's what it means. 
It's really looking vertically. You guys are responsible before God for how your home is led. So we're going to be getting to the guys in point number two. I keep saying it, but that's what this thing says. The husband is the head of the wife. means the husband is responsible before God for leading this marriage into a godly moment. Guys, you're the head. Women, you have the protection option of sitting under his final decision. And in those moments where he disagrees, he stands before God for those decisions. That is the biblical picture of marriage. Okay? Verse 24, it says, Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Everything. Really? Everything? Didn't we just get done saying in verse 22, as unto the Lord, though? So what do we mean by submit in everything? It means that's godly. It means, according to verse 22, those very things that are honoring to God himself, what's not sin, that is where it comes into play. Okay? Robbing the bank is not in the everything list. All right? That's what it's about. Submit in everything as to the Lord, then to the husband, as he is responsible as the head of the home. Now, there's some of you going, man, I am not comfortable right now. I'm sorry. This is not a comfortable topic. The thing that's not comfortable is the misuse of these terms. And shame on us for allowing any of it to go on. What we need to be real careful of is that we have a loving God with a loving plan. And this marriage sets up Christ at work in the church. So we have a marriage model. And the submission call is simply a final decision being yielded in those positions where there is not agreement and it is not sin. Does everybody hear me? Where there is not agreement and it is not sin. That's what it's calling for. Okay? Yielding to the husband's lead as he stands before God. Basically making it a little easier as he stands before God to try to do his thing. Okay? All right. Submission. So you've all heard about our little dog, Teddy. Our little black and white. So let me tell you the story about how we got this dog. Okay? This dog... I won't go into the prior dog. We had a train wreck with that dog. But as, as we were looking to head into this dog, my wife caught wind of the fact that there was a Cocker Spaniel that may be available. And so she was all excited about getting the dog. And so we decided maybe we'd take a look at Cocker. She said, well, I'll go up to the local pet store just to see what a Cocker looks like. I'm like, oh, no, don't go near the pet store. You know, you know what happens, right? <laughs> you walk in and you walk out with a dog, right? So I'm like, come on, please don't go there. And she's like, no, I'm just going to go. Don't fall in love with a dog. Like, I don't know why I said that, because that's a waste of time. But so she walked in and fell in love with this little black and white cocker spaniel. Okay. And she comes home and I said, so did you learn anything? She goes, "Uh uh-huh. I said, oh no, you fell in love with the dog, didn't you? She goes, this dog is awesome. You have to see him. I'm like, I'm not buying from a puppy mill store. We're not going to do that. We made our principle. We're going to buy from a breeder who's very responsible, blah, 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 blah. Okay. So as we had our talk, we were not agreeing. There was the pink and the blue, okay? That's where we stood. So we went out, we decided to go to some breeders. She could at least agree to that, and I could agree to that. So we went to some breeders, and we looked around. Okay, maybe there's responsible Cocker Spaniel breeders somewhere, but God did not bring them across our path, all right? So everybody we came across was psycho, strange, weird, dogs all over the place. We get into this one house. They had 13 dogs in the house, all kenneled up. This place smelled like a pet store, okay? And she lets them out one by one, and they're just wild. They're running all over and jumping all over, and you're like, that's really not what we're looking for. Remember, we're looking for the slug, right? 
for those of you who know our dog, we're looking for the one who barely is breathing. And these things are running all over the place, right? We're like, no. So we nail down no to 12 dogs. Okay, I'll just tell you the 13th dog. Just She lets this dog out, blind and deaf, and it walks until it runs into a wall. And then you can see it processing. It's just thinking, hmm, I wonder which wall that is. And then it figures out, and it turns, and it quarters, and it moves until it hits a table, and it stops. And you're like, oh, man, somebody help the dog. That was our experience at Breeders. So John is like, really, you need to take a look at this dog. I'm like, fine, whatever. We'll go take a look, okay? So we go back, and I said, look, I just want that dog worked up because we are not looking for a high-energy dog. So we get him out there with his brother, and they're running around, and they're all spastic and wild, and we take the brother and whisk him away, and I sit down on the ground, and that little dog, Teddy, which we named him, comes running up to me, climbs into my lap, rolls over on his back, and looks up at me and puts his paw on my chest. (laughs) And I look up at Jana, and she just starts laughing. Goes like this, turns around, and walks away. Like, I say no more. So then as we sit there processing, my blue circle is now shifted, and I go, you're right, this is the most calm dog I've ever seen in my life. And we ended up agreeing and buying Teddy and bringing him home for the girls as a surprise. What's the point? The point is that Jana could have gone after me. She actually had a good lead on a dog. She actually had a good thinking. And even though some of the principles we had originally set up were there, we needed to adjust them. And uh, in the end, through her showing great respect and some great patience, as we saw a ton of weird dogs, we ended up with the dog we really do love. Submission in that moment, it really worked well as she just kind of waited and watched as, we, as I moved along and we continued the communication process over a couple day, almost a week period of time. It truly works to work together, to show respect for one another, to communicate, and then when we don't agree, to find more information out and communicate again and again until we're finally at a point where we've decided we're either together on this or we aren't. Where you aren't, allow the guy to move. Where you are, you come together, okay? That's what it looks like. So wives, let me ask you this. How are you doing? You've got the thermometer measuring the submit element. How's it going? Are you communicating or controlling? There's a big difference. One of them's just trying to make clear where you're at and trying to hear where they're at, and the other's trying to take charge of the situation. How are you doing? Are you working with, as a partner, as a team member, showing respect and kindness and love? Or is it, I know what I'm doing, I'm taking no prisoners, let's go, we're headed this way. It's time to show the gentle, respectful side. Well, what if he's not a believer? The same principles apply. 1 Peter 3 is actually really clear. He talks about the fact that we need to come before gently and with respect, giving an opportunity for God to change that man's heart as he sees you following the Lord. And your primary submission is still to God himself as to the Lord, right? So it doesn't matter, believer or not. Well, what if he asks me to sin? We're in the same points, right? Then we step back and we say, I'm sorry, I can't do that. That's asking me to step away from my Lord. That's what I can't do. It still all fits together, okay? Well, what if he made a stupid decision? That happens at times. There's times where sometimes you need to let that happen and let that play itself out. Those things have a tendency to show themselves pretty well. And we just need to be allowing God to work, okay? Really do work it through. Watch what God can do as you follow his structure. Well, I'm not married right now. Measure this well. 
This is what the world teaches. Take control, take charge, make it happen. It's all up to you. That's not what Scripture says. It's about working together, loving one another, communicating well, and coming to an agreement. It's best to start practicing that now and learning to understand that now. Go after it with all you've got, okay? So the first statement, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Second, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Okay, so who is he writing this to? Verse 25, husbands. So guys, here we go. Wake up. This is the wake-up call. It's time to hear this. You ready? Husbands, love your wives. Love your wives. Okay, so we say that word, but then what do we really mean by it? Probably the best thing we can do is flip to 1 Corinthians 13. So why don't you flip with me there? 1 Corinthians 13, verses uh, 4 through 8. 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 8. Okay? All right. Let me start reading here. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all, believes all, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Okay, guys, now we're going to put your name in there. You ready? Let me reread this and just put your own name in there or put I in there, okay? Here we go. You ready? So I'll put the word I in there. I am patient. I am kind. I do not envy or boast. I am not arrogant. I am not rude. I am not irritable or resentful, even after a hard day at work. I do not rejoice at wrongdoing. I rejoice with the truth. I bear all things. I believe all things. I hope all things. I endure all things. Now, for those of you who have this passage, you're like, he skipped one. It does not insist on its own way. That's kind of an important one, isn't it? It does not insist on its own way. When we start talking about submission and love and getting along, this is a critical moment in the love relationship. It does not insist on its own way. Remember the blue circle and the pink circle? If you're out there calling the blue out all the time and you're not looking for the purple, it does not insist on its own way. Okay? Husbands, love your wives. With everything you've got, lay it all on the line for them. With everything you have, show them from your heart from your hands, from your feet, that they are important. You have the privilege of establishing the tone in that home. Husbands, love your wives. How? Well, take a look at what it says right after it. In, back in Ephesians now. Husbands, love your wives. As Christ loved the church and gave himself up for it. So there's three S words that are going to come up here, guys, okay? The first is sacrifice. How do we love? sacrificially. Just as Christ gave himself up for the church, we have a God who loves us so much that he decided before we were ever walking in alignment with him, that he would come to this earth, he would be mocked, spit on, beaten, and murdered for you and for me. Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrated his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church. Well, she's not really being very nice in the home right now. 
Love your wives even as Christ loved the church. But God demonstrated his own love in that while we were yet sinners, well, she's still messed up. Great. What a perfect opportunity for you to demonstrate Christ in that home. It's not about 50-50 rule. It's not about when she comes this far, I'll come this far. It is no matter where she's at, I love her with all I've got. Amen? Oh, my word. Amen? Come on. We can get into this. Christ is. Christ is our example. He is the one who has sacrificed for us when we had absolutely no personal privilege in it. He owed us nothing, but he gave us everything. He owed us no respect, but he gave us life eternal. We serve the risen Savior, the Messiah, and he has come to change our lives before we ever deserved it. Amen? Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. You want a model? Take a look at Jesus Christ. Sacrificial love. With everything you've got, lay it on the line. Sacrificial love. Second point, not only sacrificial love, but sanctifying love. Look at what it says in verse 26. This is now talking about Christ, that he, Christ, gave himself to sanctify her, the church, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that you might sanctify the church. That's why Christ came. Sanctify. What does that mean? To set apart, to make holy, to make different, to make new, to make fresh, to make clean. Sanctify. That was Christ's work in our lives, in your life, and in mine. As we become more like him each day, Christ at work changing us. He's saying, guess what? Guys, you have the same privilege in your home. Your wife, your kids, they can be transformed into the image of God Almighty through your loving work in the home, through your example of sacrifice, of patience, of tenderness. They can get a glimpse of our God Almighty. You have the privilege, the responsibility of bringing the truth of Jesus Christ to bear in your home. When the home does not understand who Jesus is, guess what? We as guys have to step up. It's time to share, not only verbally saying it, but active-wise doing it, to sacrifice in the home so that the home can be sanctified. The word picture here is actually of the bride being washed clean and being dressed with the white robes and being presented spotless and blameless at the wedding moment. That's the picture that's going on there. This picture of holiness and reconciliation between the bride and the groom. That's the word picture. And what is it that's being used to cleanse? It says, being washed by the water of the word of God. Guys, how do you wash and sanctify the home? You bring the word to bear in the home. Spend time in the word with your family. Share truths that are found and principles that are found from the scriptures. Lead your family in a way where they see Christ at work in your life. If you don't know him personally, if you're not waking up in the morning and having that moment with God where you're being transformed, it's going to be pretty hard to turn around and share that with somebody else. What's the challenge? You need to know Christ personally. I'm just telling you this. I was at a class last week, and uh, this was the biggest challenge I got out of the class. The challenge was 
Have you ever just sat quietly, not intaking through reading or, or radio or whatever, or, and not outputting through prayer, just being quiet? The God of the universe, he is everywhere. He is right here. Practice the presence of the Almighty in your life. It'll make an impact for all eternity. Guys, practice the presence of the Almighty leading you and changing you and shaping you and shepherding you. And then turn and lead your family in the same way. How do the shepherds lead? Not driving from behind. They're out in front, calling. Lead your family through a deep, personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen? Now we're getting there. It's about a personal relationship with him that changes us all. It says in verse 28, now also satisfying. Verse 28, in the same way the husband should love their wives as their own bodies, he who loves his wife loves himself, for no one has ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. In other words, it is going to be completely satisfying. You have been made one with this woman. It is your opportunity to be able to pour into her. And as you care for her, you're caring for you. It is going to be completely satisfying as you watch your family making wise decisions, moving in the right direction, having a passion for the Lord that you have never seen before. It is going to stir your soul to see your family sold out for Jesus Christ. Amen? Now that's where we're headed, men. That's where we're going. We are changing our homes for Jesus Christ. We're the head. We're the leader. We are responsible. We are the shepherd. These are big words. It's time to get to know him personally and share him powerfully in the home. Amen? It's time to go. It's time to change. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church. Sacrificially, sanctifying, satisfying. That is quite the job. You go, I maybe haven't been doing that well with that. How do I step into that thing all of a sudden? Let me just tell you, all of us make mistakes all of the time. And there's moments in time where we are way out of whack. I mean, there was a moment uh, I asked my wife, hey, give me a good example, or I was maybe not doing the best job of this. She was quick to answer that. So, <laughs> so here's, here's an example we came up with, we did. Uh, we're about ready to have Alyssa. Jana's in the hospital, pregnant. We're in the eighth month, and she had some problems, uh, so we were going to have Alyssa early. So we're in the hospital. I went out, and I had bought her her favorite salad, this Queensland salad, and I brought this thing back. I mean, it's monstrous, Queensland salad. Bring this thing back, set it on the, on the table there, and as I set it down, they said, well, actually, it's moving a little faster than we thought, and so she's not going to be able to eat anything. She's going to have to do whatever, and they did their things medically. So being the loving husband that I was, I turned on Happy Gilmore. It was on TV. Turned on the Happy Gilmore, and I started eating the Queensland salad. Because you don't want food to go to waste. That's horrible. We don't waste food in this family. So I'm eating, and I'm talking to her. How you doing, hon? And, and it was getting worse. And she's like, it's not going real well. It hurts. Now, I'm listening to the nurse. She said, don't worry, hon. It's going to get a lot worse than this over the next few hours. So I'm listening to the nurse, you know? I'm thinking, like, we're just in the beginning stages. We're fine. Okay. Finally, Johnny goes, no, I'm serious. So the nurse checks and says, get the doctor. It's time. So she had progressed, you know, from, I won't use all the clinical words, but she progressed from zero to go. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like that's where we were. Okay. So all of a sudden I put the Heartland salad out 
And now it's time to get engaged. You know, I'm like, okay, I'm here, baby. Let's go. So we go through the process and, and we end up having Alyssa and everything turns out great. And she had a couple of choice words about Happy Gilmore and the timing of some of that. You know, sometimes we're just not the most astute. And, and we really need to have a wake-up call. And sometimes we need to say, I'm sorry for eating your salad in front of you and watching Happy Gilmore. Will you please forgive me? Let's get things righted and get going. It's time to establish a relationship that is truly loving, not just in word, but in action. And if you haven't been up till now, great, today's the day. And if you have been up till now, great, today's the day. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. It's time to own. It's time to dive in. It's time to make an impact where our families are changed for all eternity. Amen? Well, I'm not married right now. What do I do with this stuff? You know what, guys? You're not married right now? I'm telling you, what a great opportunity to start learning what these words mean before you end up eating a Heartland salad and watching Happy Gilmore during having a baby. I'm telling you, man, it's a good timing. Get this stuff down. Get it in pace so you know what you're doing. Practice caring for other people. That's what this is saying. Put others first. Hear where they're at, okay? Today's the day. Now's the time. Guys, what do you have to do? Does it start with a relationship with him? Maybe you need to be seeking him more. Maybe you need to be passionately pursuing, practicing the presence of God. The Almighty is right here with me. May I lift you up, God. Maybe you need to be spending more time in the word, pouring over it, praying for your family, challenging your family and sitting with them and talking with them, hurting with them, listening to them, crying with them. Whatever it is you need to do, it's your opportunity to step in, to sacrificially step in, to be a part of their sanctifying as they're called to Christ and to be totally satisfied as you see your family walking with him. Today's the day. What is it you're going after? Pick that one thing. It's time to step it up. Pick that one thing. Okay. So wives, submit to your husbands. Husbands, love your wives. And we close with verse 31 to the end. It starts out, well, I'll just say it this way. Leave, cleave, and become one. Leave, cleave, and become one. All right. I use the word cleave for a purpose, and I'll get to it in a second. Leave, cleave, and become one. So verse 31, it starts out, therefore. Okay. And when we see a therefore, we say, what's the therefore? See, that was pretty weak still. When we see a therefore, we say, what's the therefore? Okay. That's, we're getting better at this, right? Every time we see a therefore, what's God trying to say? What's he trying to tie together? So here, purpose clause. We just got done talking about husbands and wives individually. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So a man shall leave and hold fast to. In the Genesis passage, in the King James Version, which a lot of us grew up with, right? You hear the phrase, leave and cleave, okay? Leave and cleave. It means hold fast to, be joined to, okay? John and I were at a wedding, uh, uh, a number of years ago, outdoor wedding, breeze is blowing, and this guy stands up and he says, hey, this is my first time doing a wedding. I'm really excited to be, you know, doing the pastoring of the wedding. And he gets to this point about leave and cleave, and he goes, cleave. It reminds me of the term meat cleaver. <laughs> and you think of when it comes down hard and separates two things violently. Okay, that's not what the word means, just so we're clear, okay? 
I'm leaning over to my wife. I'm like, I wish you would have talked to somebody first about that. Okay, cleave. It means to join together, to cling together, to be unified, okay? Don't picture a meat cleaver or do and laugh and think it's the opposite, okay? To join together, to hold fast, okay? So for those of you who love quoting your King James you memorized when you were a kid, leave and cleave, that's what it means, okay? So we're going to do a little image thing here. What does leave and cleave look like? Jonna, come and step up here. Kim, can I borrow you for a second? Father, you're going to look like a father figure for us here, okay? So we're about ready to get married, okay? And we have the three of us that are going to be coming together. I'm going to step over here. We're somewhat separated when we're starting out. So we've got father and daughter kind of together, right? Right? right. We're good. Okay. Now, <laughs> okay, whatever. <laughs> Great. And if there's anyone who would like to, no. All right. So as we come together, remember how in the marriage ceremony, you often see the father hand the bride's hand over, Okay. And so I take over and I come in. Now we're supposed to be together like this, okay? This is the physical image right now of leave and cleave. Does leave mean geographically separate by 100 miles or more? Like what if I live across the street from my parents? Am I in sin? No, leave is not a geographic statement, okay? It has to do with priority in the relationship. And this is the appropriate view of priority. Now we're together. And as we communicate, I may even turn and John and I may talk together. I'm still gonna use you, Kim, so hang on. But at some point, we may say, we're stuck on this. We need some advice. We turn and we get some advice from our father, from whoever. And this outside source that speaks into us, shares with us. But here's what we must do. We must turn back with each other and continue to work through this with the new advice given. Here's what we don't do. Hey, we got a question for you, Dad. Why don't you come right on in here? Why don't you come right in the middle? You stand here. on, you stand over there. I can barely see you past my dad here. Okay, now we're going to try to talk through this bad boy. All right. How are you with what we're doing here? Are you good with this? And all of a sudden we start getting this, I'm trying to get mom and dad happy with me rather than I'm trying to work with my spouse. This image right here, bad. Not leave and cleave. Okay. This is, so just take your snapshot. Okay. And later on, you're going to be thinking of you, Kim. Congratulations. <laughs> all right. Why don't you, st- thanks, Kim. Let's give Kim a hand here. Thanks, Johnny. It's important that we think visually it's about husband and wife together, working through things together, in priority of each other together. You have a new first in your life. It's not mom and dad. You have a new first in your life. It's not mom and dad. It's important that we do that, okay? Got a couple challenges for you right at the end, but let me just say this real quickly. Paul says in verse 32, this mystery is profound. Two becoming one? It's profound. I'm not saying that, or I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. He's saying the church, it's amazing what Jesus does in the church. And the same is happening in the home. It's profound what's going on. And then Paul kind of drifting and now willing to come back in verse 33. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. What does a proper leave and cleave relationship look like? How do we become one? Husband, love, Wife, respect. That submit word, it's mirrored with the word respect. Love and respect. Have you heard of that book that's out there now? It's a big hot seller, love and respect. This is what it comes from, Ephesians 5.33, okay? It is all about a healthy relationship together. Love and respect becoming one. The mystery is profound how God is at work in us. 
Okay, question for you. What if I'm leaning on my parents really heavily right now and I'm trying to make them happy and it isn't going real well? So do we just rip away from this thing? And what, how do we manage that? You know what? Realistically, a lot of those could take some serious time to talk through. Patience in making some adjustments is important. Please don't just gut wrench, okay? But at the same time, being able to say, biblically, dad, mom, I've got a new first, my wife, my husband, and I need to be spending time making sure that I work with them and communicate with them so that we're one. I want to use your input to be able to help, but please understand that the two of us together have to grow together as one and learn together as one. So if you're the child who's leaning on a mom or dad too much, today's the day for that to stop. Today's the day where you need to look at your spouse and say, you're the one, baby. That's where we're at. You're the one. It's time for me to leave and hold fast to you. If you're a parent and you're leaning in heavily with your kid, just remember this. As hard as that is, because we watch our children making mistakes and over decades of time, we're the one who steps in to say, not like that. But when the two are now involved, we have to be very cautious that our time is not actually controlling those two. And I'm putting myself in the middle. Be very careful about how you give your advice. I would probably usually recommend that make sure it's solicited, it's asked for, and make sure that once it's solicited, that it's actually appropriate. You might even need to say, this isn't appropriate right now, guys. You don't even know what you think right now. You need to work that out. This is really important. This is a major trauma in most marriages. You hear all the in-law jokes. Why do you hear those? This is part of why. Not all of why, but this is part of why. We need to be careful, okay, that we work together, that we leave, that we hold fast, that we love and we respect. Does that make sense? We good? This is what we're about. Wives, submit to your husbands. Means yield the final decision in the case where there is sin, not sin, or there is full agreement. Okay? Yield the final decision. That's what it means. Husbands, love your wives. Sacrificially laying it all on the line. Bring it. You know Jesus Christ is your Savior. Bring it into the home. Bring it with all you have. Bring it. And leave and hold fast. Make your marriage fresh and new as the two of you look to each other and say, you're the one. You're my primary. I want to love you. I want to respect you. Okay? Let's realize this. The entirety of the challenge of our godly marriage can be changed and totally unified together as we understand that it's all centered in who Jesus is. It's about our Savior, Jesus Christ, and putting him first in our marriage. That's what it's about. It's about the sacrificial lamb, Jehovah Jireh, our Jesus, Messiah, Savior, Sacrificer, coming to give new life to us. And in every day and in every way, as we experience the Messiah at work in our lives, we can celebrate him and bring it back home to the rest of our family. It's Jesus Messiah at work in our lives. That's what Paul's saying in verse 32 when he says, this mystery is profound. I'm talking about Christ in the church. Jesus Messiah, you Lord, you we serve and you we honor. May you be glorified in our home as we bring a godly marriage, one where we are submitting as wives, one where we are loving with all we've got as husbands. May Jesus be the rock core center of who we are.
Let me pray.